the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Again, some of the big headlines of today of which you're allowed to call in and comment on if you want, if you so desire. Ford, they hit a billion dollars in profit. I'm actually pleasantly surprised by that. It's one of the big three automakers that avoided bankruptcy. Part of what they did was a couple years before the recession hit, they borrowed a lot of money and they set themselves up correctly because they knew down the road the credit crisis was going to hit. They didn't know, but they were prepared for it to say the least. So Ford hits a billion dollars in profits. Not too shabby. Nine U.S. banks were seized over the weekend. That's the largest one-day haul. And FDIC insurance kicks in and your money's okay. And we don't have to cry about it. CIT, their board of directors, have approved going into bankruptcy. Over 85 to 90% of the debt holders are approving this. And here's what bankruptcy means to common stockholders. You're screwed. That's what it means. There's multiple ways to own investments. The average one, like if you were to say, I want to go out and buy shares of Google, you become a common stock, a CS, common stock shareholder. You're common. Now, you're one of a billion other shareholders or whatever the numbers may be. In case of bankruptcy, who gets the money first? If you were to go bankrupt today, who gets the money first? It's the people who have lent you money in society that get the money first. That's who gets it. Same thing with publicly traded companies. CIT Group. They're in the business of lending money to retailers to basically tie them over for 30 days while they're waiting for inventory to be taken off shelves so that that company can go out and pay manufacturing to manufacture more goods and deliver it. And if you think about it, retail is a very expensive upfront business model that really needs the back-end consumer to close the deal and seal the deal. And in between, CIT Group operated, but they've uh, gone into bankruptcy. They're going to continue to operate as normal. But today their shares are down 64%. And I bring this up because... One of the things that I, I keep finding about this show, and it gets frustrating on occasion, it really does get frustrating, is a lot of people try to take shortcuts. They want to get wealthy, but they take shortcuts. Whether it's it's incredibly god-awful ideas, like buying real estate in Detroit, or it's incredibly god-awful ideas like buying shares of Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or CIT Group because they look cheap. Companies don't look cheap. A company can be worth $0.10 cents for a share, or it could be a million dollars per share. And that I can't tell from either one if it's cheap or not. In our damaged psychology, in the way we approach things as investors, we think 10 cent stock is cheaper than a million dollar stock. And it's not. There's no difference. Because that million dollar stock could have no debt and it could have $20 million in the bank. Where that 10 cent stock could have a million dollars in debt and no cash and no revenue and no business. So just because a stock's a buck doesn't mean it's cheap. So it, just, it kills me. People look at cheap real estate and say, it's cheap. No, it's not cheap. Oh, it kills me. 
kills me, I'm telling you. I'm having a bad day. We should play that song from American Idol. So you had a bad day. Was that not maybe the height of awfulness? <laughs> me singing. Yes. So I went to see Regina Spector Friday night at the Fox Theater. Fox Theater in Oakland, pretty pretty nice. Good looking crowd. I was a little bit surprised by that. So you know, sometimes those of us who live on the peninsula or San Francisco get a little bit how shall we say snobby? Yeah, I think that's how we say it. And we assume that everything east of the Bay Bridge is is you know run down and dilapidated individuals who are in wheelchairs and smoke. I know. It, not all of us think that way, but most of us do. So what do they refer to it? Bridge and tunnel trash? Anyway, Oakland, incredibly nice. Broadway Street, wonderful. Uh, pretty safe. Pretty pretty safe. I had a good time. I enjoyed the bar scene afterwards. You'll actually like this. I went into, um, and I don't remember the name of the bar, and I should have. It's right there, right next to the Fox there. And, and I'm a pretty white guy. And this may be slightly controversial that I'm about to say. I went into an all-black bar. So do you remember the scene from Animal House where the African-Americans came up to the the, the white fraternity brothers and say, may we dance with your dates. It was kind of like that. It was one of those incredibly whoa moments and incredibly nice to have talked to a woman who it was her birthday, bought her some champagne and had a good time. But well, there's uh Broadway. Really nice. Really nice. Regina Spector. Great show. I had a great time. Good to get out and see live music. Um, other big stories of the day. So CIT eh, bankruptcy, just because a company is cheap doesn't mean just because it looks cheap doesn't mean it's cheap. Top U.S. court to rule on mutual funds and whether institutional shares are fair and or not. As an institution, I can get a mutual fund cheaper than you can. Is that fair? Maybe. I I don't know. I'm going to let the courts decide on that one. Talked a little earlier in the show about buying progressive as a pretty good idea. Let's talk a little bit about technology. Google. Great Google it a moogle it a ticker symbol G-O-O. G? There's an article written in Barron's this weekend about Google, and basically what it said, the shares face a, near, a few near-term challenges. Basically, the company's hold on search advertising is pretty well known. We know that. But advertising dollars continue to abandon traditional media and flood to the Internet, where Google's got the corner on the market on paid online search with about 66% market share. Longer term, the shares are a, bit, are a tougher bet based on whether or not they can diversify. Google owns YouTube. Can they make money on YouTube? Hulu, H-U-L-U dot com. It's one of those sites that kind of snuck up on YouTube. Suddenly out of nowhere, we're going to Hulu.com to watch videos. Like YouTube is the king of like skateboard videos. It's the king of movie trailers. YouTube hasn't really figured out a way to turn it into a good business model. It's trying it's trying. And at some point in time, when I leave television, if I leave television at the end of this year, if I leave television at the end of next year, whenever it is, I'm going to set up a YouTube channel. I'm going to do a, a television show, financial television show from the, the safety and comfort of my basement, <laughs> the basement of the science building. If you know that reference, you're older than me from the basement of the science building. It's Cheech and Chong. It's a Cheech and Chong routine. Cheech and Chong had some pretty good routines back in the 70s. If you ever get to listen to their, their comedy albums, I don't know if they held up. I don't know if they held up, but they had Bob the, the dog, where he'd sniff other dogs' butts and he'd say they smell like candy bars. When you're a kid, that was funny as all hell. I don't know if it, I don't know if it held up so well, but we'll find out one day. We'll play some Cheech and Chong comedy albums. Okay, so um, Google, short-term, looks great. 
We know that companies like Ford and GM and Budweiser, 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 we know that they're looking at the Super Bowl going, do we really need $2 million commercials? We know that they're looking at, at television and saying, do we really need this model when people are abandoning it year over year? And they are going to the Internet. So Google's in a great place. But the question is, down the road, can they be anything but that? Because the shares are pretty damn expensive, if they can't be. If they can be, if they can diversify and figure out other ways of making money, like doing broadcasting the YouTube concert. YouTube did a free show out of L.A. that you can go watch now. Two and a half hour concert, pretty good. Good, good camera work, top, legit, good stuff. But can they make money off it? Other than being a platform of, of, of something we, we feel comfortable with, can they do more than that? So other stories of note out there. In the world of technology, have you heard of a company called Epix HD? I had never heard of Epix HD until this weekend. It's an entertainment channel. It's a video-on-demand channel. It's an online streaming service. Okay, okay. So, so it's a streaming service, entertainment, on-demand. Okay, so basically it's a website that you can go and pick things that you want to see. And you can pay a price. Do the quick little microtransaction and boom, suddenly you're watching it on your computer. For instance, I don't get Showtime, but I dig that show Dexter. I dig that show Dexter. I think it's a fantastic show, but I don't pay for Showtime. To me, you can have, you can have too many cable choices, right? Like I've got HBO and there's 10, 10 channels on HBO and you can't find anything ever to watch other than the TV shows. I like cable TV shows. I got to admit, I'm, I'm fine paying HBO 20 bucks a month so that I can get True Blood and um, big love and all the shows that I'm a fan of. So, uh, but anyway, Epics HD, they're a video on demand online streaming service, and they just partnered with Paramount, MGM, and Lionsgate. And the Epics HD channel, it's available right now for Verizon Fiber to the Street subscribers. After a free trial period, so far what we can see, it's going to be about nine dollars and ninety nine cents a month. And they think the streaming service from Epics could be a competitor to Netflix subscription streaming. You know, with Netflix, you can stream videos and shows. So that's, that's Epics is kind of coming in and going after Netflix. So if you own shares of Netflix, you suddenly have to say there's a competitor out there. Because Epics is gaining distribution. They're expanding their content library. So one thing that I'm going to do is I don't really know. I'm not really familiar with Epics. I need more data. I need more content. I mean, I need more more to chew on before I'm willing to come out on radio and say, watch out, Netflix. But I'm able to see this. Can you see this as a competitor? Um, despite the launch, Netflix is well positioned to leverage the leadership position of the DVD by mail business and try to become the dominant player of online video content streaming. Within three years from now, the business model that we know of cable television, it's going to be a lot different. We're going to be able to say, screw you, Comcast, and we're going to be able to go get a video from Epix HD or a TV show from Netflix where we won't have to pay for HBO. It'll stream into our television and we'll be happy with it. We won't get the interruptions. We won't get the, you know, the choppy service. We won't get a, a TV screen that's 52 inches that we only have content on three inches of it. It's not going to be goofy. It's not going to be awkward three years from now. Now, Netflix subscription model so far for film content is superior to the alternative advertising supported and pay-per-view models. Now, so far, the strong culture of innovation in customer service, it has to stick with Netflix. 
9% of America has Netflix. That to me is a stunning number. 20% of San Francisco's have San Franciscans have Netflix. So with that said, we want that content and we want, oh man, would it not be great to break free from the chains of Comcast? So we feel like they got us over a barrel. If you want HBO, you got to spend 20 bucks a month. Hmm. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm rambling. I'm rolling. If you want to join in, chime in, feel free. Otherwise, I'm just going to go to a tape version of the show tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to do the show from the basement of the science building. It's the Rob Black Show, 800-345-5639, a.m. More stimulating talk. Get in the Rob Black chat live now. Go to talk910.com. Go to the Rob Black page and click play. Are you tired of those Windows 7 commercials yet? Are you tired of those get a Mac, the cheeky get a Mac ads? Now, Apple's playing dirty. If you go and Google Windows 7, you're going to get 137 million different results, right? One of the things that you probably wouldn't expect to see there would be a four-line ad by guess who? Apple. And they're paying exorbitant amounts of money. In order to say, hey, here we are. Here we are. We're in front of what you're about to see on Windows 7. I dig that Apple plays dirty, but they do play dirty. Speaking of dirty, I'm going to stick with technology for a little bit longer because I'm on a roll today. The calls are awful. No one's paying attention. No one's calling in. California ups our taxes 10% and no one's upset about that. CIT basically goes towards bankruptcy, and no one's thinking this is the beginning of the end. What's next? You're just sitting out there, afraid of calling in, 800-345-5639. So I'm going to go on with my content. You know the Android phone, the opposite of the Apple phone? Google and Apple are fighting more so than ever. You've seen some board of directors, people just totally drop, just totally drop from the board of Apple. Because Google, they got some competing product, right? One of the things that they got is this this Android phone that's getting ready to go on sale over at Verizon. I admit it, I'm a Verizon user. Many, many, many years ago, I was a Sprint user, but dropped them. Their coverage sucked. AT&T, I've never heard a good thing about. Never a good thing. And with so many people using the iPhone on AT&T's data lines, I hear they stink and struggle. So I'm not a big AT&T, so I'm a Verizon person. I'm always looking out for a cool phone, and so far I've stuck with the Palm phones, the, the trios, because I like the keyboards, and I like the, the limited but effective touchscreen. Also, you get free game Bedazzled with it. And who won't pay $200 for a free game of Bedazzled? So Microsoft, um, Motorola, this was an interesting call today, because Motorola is getting ready to release that droid phone. Citigroup says there's an invasion of new phones. They're coming out with research today. Applications and competition. Motorola is launching one of them, and it's a compelling offering. The revolution of product and application service offerings is going to start to crack open the enterprise door and could pose a risk for BlackBerry. I'm not willing to say this is the beginning of the end for BlackBerry. But this is the beginning of the end for Palm. So the Android phone is just going to kill them. They're just not going to be able to compete. 
So I'm going to say sell your shares of Palm. Or I'm going to say be careful with your shares of Palm. Verizon is embracing Motorola's droid phone as its hero product. And they're likely going to cause some research emotion and Palm marketing spend to increase in 2010. So Palm's going to have to overspend in order to get similar type results, as is research in motion, who makes the fantastic, fabulous BlackBerry phone. Some of them more popular than the others. The Storm, I would say... <laughs> so Palm is getting downgraded to a hold from sell. Um, how is that? How is a sell a higher rating than a hold? That makes no sense. Citigroup cut their price target on Palm from 19 bucks to 10 Research and motion, they're cutting from 100 bucks to 50 bucks. That's pretty aggressive. They're upgrading their target on Motorola, to buy, and they're saying it's a buy, from $9 to 10 to 50 Let's pull up a quick chart of Motorola. So I kind of agree with this call out of Citigroup. I, I basically started telling you about this call a week ago, two weeks ago. Motorola 888. I think there is some revenue upside. I think you can get a good 10, 15, 20% play out of Motorola. I wouldn't be against that. If you were to come to me and say, let's do it, I would say, that's not crazy. That's not crazy. Let's go to a phone call. I'm not sure who we have online. It's Mark in San Mateo. Mark? Mark in San Mateo? You there? I'm here. Good thing I got two board ops. Uh, can you hear me? You can hear me now, right? I can hear you. What's up, Mark? Okay. Uh, great. You know, I bet, I bet Ron been... Owens doesn't have problems where he goes to calls and he, get, he can't be heard. I think you need a new system. I think I, I, I agree. I think, I, we should, I think we should hire Ron Owens. How about you hire me? I could use a job. What, what do you, what's your qualifications, Mark? Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm very intelligent. Okay, I, you're I intelligent. Actually know, I know how to use a telephone. The, the dial that says volume on caller, you could actually push that up when people... I can, I, I can direct that to you, and I could probably even... I could screen calls for you, too. You think you could screen calls? You're a multi-purpose monkey. I like I, it. I am. I am. I am. Okay. I, first of all, I love your show. I think it's great. I'm glad that I have you on the air. Give me a little bit more about you, Mark. Why Why don't you have a job if you're so so talented? You know what? I, I, I kind of do have a job, and I'm in the, in the process of interviewing, and... I'm not in an uncomfortable position financially, okay. so I'm in good shape. It's how, not, how, how old I, are you? I, I'm 41. 41 and not in an uncomfortable position. What do you got? How much money you got? Oh, okay. Well, um, not sure I want to say exactly, but I'm actually calling because um, I wanted to know a couple. I, first of all, I live in San Mateo. I'm, I'm in the middle of a short sale on my condo, and uh, it's over in like the ninth month of it. It takes, it takes forever. It's you're letting it. You're letting it go. You're not buying one. I'm letting it go. Okay. I'm letting it go. I'm, and I'm, I believe you. I think that there's too many short sales and foreclosures out there. I do not think it's a good time to be in the in the in the, in the market. And I don't. And I also agree with you. I don't think that condos are a good investment in San Mateo. Um, the question for I have for you. I also have another condo. Um, it's 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 up a little bit because I bought it in 2003. So it's fine. But it, I still don't. I'm still not. Uh, thinking that it's a good investment, and I agree with you on that. But my question to you is: Why do you think? Why do you always say that the uh, San Mateo is is the armpit of the peninsula? I can make. I mean, there's so many other cities that you could say that about on the peninsula. Why would? Why? Why do you choose San Mateo? Give me a couple, Mark. What what cities do you not like? Oh, I would so much rather live in San Mateo than say. Well, let's start off with East Palo Alto. Let's then maybe we can move over to Daly City. That might be good. Yeah, I can, I can um, bash. I, I can bash. We're not going to bash East. We're not going to bash East Palo Alto because they got gangs there, and I don't want to end up dead. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, you asked. You okay, asked. Okay. I'm with okay. you. 
Okay, I'm not. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. There are gangs in Redwood City too. I mean, there are nice parts of San Mateo, but there are uh, Redwood City. But there's certainly parts of Redwood City I wouldn't want to live in. Redwood about, City you know, really about, differs, doesn't it? It's really got some nice upper upper end, and then it's got some just trash lower end. Oh, I'll tell you, my sister lives there. She lives in a great neighborhood. I mean, it's a little too crowded for my neighbor. My my taste. I don't like when the houses are on top of each other, but. But her street is wonderful. It's very uh, communicative. They, you know, they get together for the Fourth of July. She's got young kids, so it's great for her. But you go, you know, a mile south or uh, east of there, and it's like that. I wouldn't want to live there. How about South San Francisco? How about Brisbane? How about um, uh, parts of Mountain View? I mean, San Mateo is the hub of. And I agree with you. There are not some great areas in San Mateo, and I'd also agree with you that the downtown is not a phenomenal downtown. It's 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 useful. I mean, I can go there and go to, you know, you know, get food and things like that and walk around. And it does have a movie theater. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a hub. You can get to the city in 15 minutes. You can get down to San Jose if you want to. You can get over to the East Bay, you know, uh, when it's not clogged on 92 because of the, the Bay Bridge. Okay, but, okay. Now, uh, you, you know, know why I don't like San Mateo? Yeah, tell me. Uh, the school system. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And okay. we, have, we have we have a hey we have a five month old here. We just you know a baby girl that I have with my wife, and we're here. Congratulations in a on being able to make a thank baby. You, thank you, thank you very much. And uh, but my point is, is that we definitely you know our plans are, and maybe that's what your point is. Maybe in terms of what you're saying is is, is school related. You're right. The schools are not strong here in San Mateo. And I'm, a, I'm I'll tell you, Rob, I'm a substitute teacher. Okay. That's what I do, and I'm in. I'm I'm, I'm I'm involved. I see it every day. I see the the ultimate in hypocrisy and unbelievable waste of money in terms of resources for these kids. I understand why people homeschool um, because you can be you can be more productive with your child for two hours than you can for an entire day at a school. In terms of education, now you can't replace the social aspect of being of the kids being around different cultures and being around different kids. And I think that's. That's what makes public school important. But in terms of if you want your kids to get ahead, you better, as a substitute, in my, in, in my observations is you better, as a parent, you better take the bull by the horns, not only get involved in the class, but also get involved yourself in terms of helping educate your kid because you're not going to get everything that you want from the public schools, and I imagine it's only going to get worse. I mean, we're 48th in the country, Rob. What is going on with that? I've, I'm with you. And, and do you know San Mateo? Let me, give you an, let me give you another reason to dislike San Mateo. Okay. It was originally part of the Rancho de la Pulgas. Okay. Which is the Ranch of the Fleas. Which is what? It's called Ranch of the Fleas. Okay. Isn't that, come on, that's kind of funny, right? Okay, all right. I you're named, you're not, named right? after a Ranch of Fleas. Okay, so should you not go to Santa Cruz because they're named the Banana Slugs? Or I, I love the Banana Slugs. I think that's the coolest mascot in, well, in, think, in it's sports. It's a cool name, but if you're, going, if you're going for a job interview, you think that, that, that uh, someone at a, at a corporation is going to want to know about you being a Banana Slug? Okay, okay. I'll, I'll lighten up on San Mateo, and I'll, I'll, I'll bash Daily City. Do you know who Daily City is named after? On, would you, the, the weather, have you been to San Mateo? The weather is, is actually, we, we love the weather here. You know Mark, I've, I've been to San Mateo, and you couldn't pay me to live in San Mateo. Now, here, here's a city that I find overrated, Belmont. I think Belmont is the most overrated city on the peninsula. I agree with you 100%. I agree with you 100%. The place to be, if you have a family, is the Palo Alto School District, even though, unfortunately, those 
are still. I, I have, let me ask you before. I know I've taken up a lot of your time. No, I enjoy this. This is good. Good banter. My, my my question to you is: Would you rather? Because Palo Alto School District is like it's a very well high rated school district, mm-hmm. and I've been there, and I'm not ultimately. I mean, there's some things I'm impressed about, but there's a lot that I'm like, oh my god, there needs some serious improvements. So my question to you is this: Would you rather your child go to this to the to the state with the best school? Districts number one in the country, right. worst school, or the best school in the worst of all the states. I don't know. I, I think there's nothing like an East Coast education, to be quite honest with you. Is that where you came from? Yeah. Okay. See, I don't know. I grew up in Los Altos, so the only thing I and they were terrible schools back in the seventies when I went too. But they've always been. Mark, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Do you think school systems reflect the city? Because I think they kind of do. Like I live in San Carlos, and we've got very good school systems. Um, it's tough to find. Like, if you find a waitress like who has no teeth, you typically go, "What school system did you go to?" And she goes, "San Mateo." But when you ask the kids from San Carlos if they went to San Carlos, do, do you see, do you think school systems reflect cities, or do you think I'm off base there? Unequivocally, yes. Okay. Unequivocally, yes. So, what you, you see in San Mateo, what you see in San Mateo reflects San Mateo. The only well, there's there's some truth to that. Although I do know some people that went to San Mateo school districts. For example, Barry Bonds. I'm not, <laughs> maybe he's not a good example. <laughs> how about how about how about Dick Vermeil? If you know who Dick Vermeil, I know is, Dick Vermeil. He coached coach the, he the Eagles. The uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, Phillies to the Super Bowl. Uh, there's you know there's that would be uh, the Eagles and the Rams that he did. Right, right. Okay, so there's one example. I'm sure you can think of multiple people that have started companies that have come from the San Mateo. You know, you running for mayor of San Mateo or something? I should, shouldn't I? You I, should. I, I, actually, we, we, our plan is to say we love our complex because we've got tennis courts and swimming pools. So we're That's, that could be your tagline when you run for mayor, San Mateo. We love our complexes. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I don't. We, 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 uh, we live closer to Burlingame, so we got we walked to downtown Burlingame, which, which is nice. But the houses are on top of each other there, so I just couldn't stand that kind of living. Another, but, another tagline is San Mateo. We're not as dumpy as as Daly City. No, the tagline, Rob. The tagline to San Mateo is, "We are the hub of the bear. You can get to everywhere from here and have the perfect weather. It's too hot down south." I don't know if, if I want to be nice- known as. Yeah, I don't know if a hub is the greatest way of being sold. The well, city. Okay, hub is not the word, but the, the, you're right. You're right. I, I, I live in San Carlos, and we, we're the city my, of good living. My point is, my my point is, I understand. I agree with you. Like San Mateo is not like the best place to be, or whatever. But it certainly it does not deserve the armpit status. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll retract the armpit status, and you and I can work on something. Then 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 then, then my Stockton is the Stockton is the armpit of of California, though, right? What's that? Stockton is the armpit of California. Well, okay, that's another thing. What if you have a family of three or two? Let's say you've got two kids and you don't want to have a house payment. and You want to go and you can get a beautiful four-bedroom with air conditioning, all brand-new appliances. How about a, a you know a nice pool outside? In addition to that, you've got extra land, all for a buck fifty. <laughs> now, how about I the mean, wait, wait? Okay. How about the jobs in Stockton? The number one oh, job okay. in Stockton is you take a chicken, you cut off its head, and you watch it bleed out. Rob, you don't need a job. If you got a house, if you can get a house for one hundred and thirteen thousand dollars, you don't really need a job, do you? I mean, if you manage your money reasonably I well, do. yeah. I mean, if you know, I, I'm, I don't, I, I've been more of it for the past ten years. I've been in the stock market. You know, when I, I, I was in the eighty-seven crash, I've been in the two thousand one crash, and since then, I've just been full tilt, saving, 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 putting in high yield CDs, and yeah. being extremely frugal and. And, and I've done well. And again, yeah, again, you're a good example of San Mateo, 41 years old and unemployed. 
I'm not unemployed. I'm a substitute teacher and a restaurant waiter. So I have I, I'm 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 working. Ooh, Mark, I'm what, what, what restaurant do you work at? I'll I'll have to come in. Oh my God! Am I really going to say this on the air? What if somebody? Well, do you work at Iron Gate? Where do you work at? No, Vicks? no, no, no. I work. All right. I'll t- no, I can't tell you. Where come I on, work. tell me where. I, I I'm a big tipper. What's that? I'm a All big right. tipper. I have to be a big tipper. All right. If I tell you, do you promise to be my friend after this? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, Max's. Have you, are you familiar with it? You I know. should be if you're if you're on the peninsula. Yeah, I know Max. It's not very good food. Really interesting that you say that. You know, I I've been there eight years yeah. and. Uh, uh, I, I find the food to be. Where, where, you, so you've not had a good experience. How many times have you been, Rob? Twice. I typically go at happy hour because it's kind of a stop on the way home. Okay. So what are you eating? Are you eating? Are you eating? Uh, you know, appetizers or whatever that have been sitting there because you're talking. I think. Or, I, I think I had a. I think and, I had a steak that was like road. No, I had a steak that was roadkill. Well, okay, then you had a bad experience because ninety nine point nine percent of the time of the people, the time, and I've been there eight years. Ninety nine percent of the time, people. Order steak, love it. So I think okay, you can come in, and, and if you want to, you can ask for me. I will. I will. I'll make sure your cook, your steak is done right. And if it's not, we'll send it back. And if not, we'll send, we'll give you uh, whatever you want. There you go. Great. I'm a bit of a snob, Mark. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. It's the Get to Know Mark Show. Mark from San Mateo works at Max's. Anyone else who has inane drivel banter, bring it on. I'm all about the inane banter today. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine. Although I think that was somewhat educational, if you read between the lines. School districts reflecting society. I think they do. Well, how do you do? A kiss on the cheek. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls there. Let's go to David in the Peninsula on two eighty. Hey, that's me. Good morning, Rob. How are you doing? I'm okay. Okay, so I'm interested in eBay and what makes them successful. So I'm thinking that um, they're successful because people bring their products to them. They just make a good form for them to sell their products. And they, for lack of a better term, tax um, the sale of the product. Okay. Um, You know, maybe they're just a a glorified flea market. on a high-tech scale. Okay. And I guess where I'm going with this is, is does eBay, is that a good um, a business to say, hey, I'm successful running eBay now. Make me your governor. <laughs> oh, I see where you're going at with this. Yeah. So um, I don't know their business plan. Um, I'm just leaving it up. To, oh, I'm asking you, maybe you can help me understand, am I off base on this, or um, is there some, some truth to it? Well, they've gone from $5.9 billion in sales to $8.5 billion, and to say that they're a glorified you know, uh, uh, traveling flea circus it would, be, would be almost silly. Um, it's a little bit more than that. Keep in mind, to build a successful company, it has to have a storefront. It has to have a good internet name, a good URL that's easy to remember. Back in the 90s, everyone tried to do this. Amazon.com tried to do it. There was a company called Ubid that tried to do it. And eBay did stand out. You also need some type of shopping cart. You need good best-of-breed software. Um, if you go online right now and shop at a, a web store that has a bad experience, you're like, I'm never going there again. And it has to be intuitive and smart. They purchased PayPal to basically run the transactions. They purchased StubHub 
again, as part of uh, the whole business model that they're in, they made a huge mistake by purchasing Skype. Meg Whitman should be massively embarrassed by purchasing Skype. Uh, but other parts of her business model, I think she did good. Some benefits of running an online store is, you know, you can start with a lot smaller amount of capital. I think a lot of Americans around the country have benefited from eBay. There's companies that are eBay businesses. There's, you know, people in L.A., um, there's, I'm sorry, Louisiana. There's people in Texas, in remote, remote cities that have absolutely no potential jobs. And they're now able to use eBay as a storefront and have a virtual business model that's, you know, pretty cheap to start up and run. So I, I give eBay a lot of credit. For instance, I once went to Australia, and my sister is a musician, and I bought her a ditcher do. It's one of those Australian Aborigine, you know, it makes that weird wow, wow, wow sound. Yeah, yeah, I and, know I know the sound. And I had to haul that thing all the way back to the United States. Whereas now I can get on eBay and type in Ditcher Do and boom, an Australian Ab- Aborigine could send it to me from Australia and, and save me a lot of, you know, hassle. I think it's just incredibly convenient. Now, Meg Whitman running for governor, uh, we're going to have her on the show. I'll ask her that, that exact question if you want me to. I appreciate that, yeah. yeah. So, what, okay. what they- her eBay um, um, leadership. Um, uh, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you rather see? Wouldn't you rather see someone who's from the business world versus a lawyer, who is a career politician? Uh, yes, I do. I agree with you. Yeah, I um, wish we could send farmers to Sacramento. This would be better than uh, a lawyer, definitely. And I got nothing against lawyers. <laughs> it's just I think career politicians uh, they they just start to kind of revolting and give me acid reflux. <laughs> so thanks for the call. I'm with you on that. 800 345 to get your calls in the air. 800 to get your calls in the air. Yeah, I don't really have any pro or con on Meg Whitman. I haven't made my mind on her in any way, shape, or form. You know, Gavin Newsom, he used to do wine distribution, and I thought that was at least kind of unique on some levels of, you know, becoming a mayor. He's got a slicky boy image to him. And again, in this day and age, you know, video killed the rock star. Uh, certainly, you can go as far as to say that, you know, Internet and video and could certainly kill a politician unless you're somewhat reasonable looking. 800-345-56, or as uh, I like to say, as long as you're not unfortunate looking. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. More stimulating talk. Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. It's 9, 10 a.m. is the station you're listening to. Interesting. An American won the New York City Marathon. You haven't seen that in a few years. It's not our area of expertise. We're not good runners. I'll shut up because I don't know much about running and I'll sound like an idiot. 800-345-5639. Get your calls on the air. Airlines. Before we go into airlines, the Michael Jackson film. This is it. Grossed $101 million at Worldwide Box Office. It sets a concert film record. $101 million. Sony paid $60 million for it. So they've done okay. It dethrones Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus, Best of Both Worlds concert tour as the top grossing concert movie. That movie grossed more than $70 million. Strong performance of This Is It along with the continued success of low-budget horror film Paranormal Activity uh, drove the weekend box office. So Paranormal Activity kicked in 16 million more it's now at 84 million dollars most successful film of all time as far as profitability goes 
Michael Jackson. He's the king of pop, isn't he? That's stunning. Stunning. 800-345-5639. Now, again, that's $100 million worldwide. Domestically, it only pulled in $21 million, $21 million over the weekend. Um, Airlines. Airline passengers, are you fed up with all the extra fees? Well, get ready. (laughs) Get used to it. The airlines are going to do something kind of slightly, not misleading, but well-marketed. They just did a three-day conference, and it's called the, it was called the Ancillary Revenue Airline Conference. Let, let that digest for a second. First of all, flying is the, one of the most god-awful things on the planet, right? It, it's like uh, being on a bus in there. It, it's uncomfortable. No one likes the whole process. No one likes the whole airport process, but we go through it. So the term ancillary fees, it's our, now they're starting to market this as a la carte pricing. It's business speak for products and services that we used to be given for free. Ancillary fees are not new. They've been around for a long, long, long time. In 2008, airlines made a stunning $10.25 billion in such fees, which was up 346% since 2006. Low fare carrier Legion, the world leader in cashing in on ancillary fees, they get nearly 23% of their revenue from charges. Now, airlines, they're losing money. They're going to lose $11 billion this year in revenue. So you can see that they're trying to make up for it somewhere. Steep drop in travel demand, steep drop in business travel demand. That's hurting them enormously. These fees are going to be unbundled. And ultimately, it's going to be things like you could pay $19 to get priority seating. You're going to be able to cut to the front of the line at check-in and at security checkpoint. For $39, United Passengers can also get a one-time access to the airline's cushy airport lounge. Both those perks typically reserved for passengers who pay an annual fee or buy a business or first-class ticket. So they're going to do what's called unbundling. <laughs> it's a fancy way of saying, oh, we're going to have more options, and it's going to be slickly marketed so it doesn't feel like it's another fee. Let's go to Phil in San Francisco. Phil? Hey, Rob. How's it going? It's okay. Good. Hey, listen, um, I got a, I, I invested in a company a little while back. It's a biotech company, and it's, uh, the stock was really, really cheap. But it doesn't seem to be going anywhere, and I've been holding on to this stuff for years. I kind of wondered if you knew anything about it. It's called Aerodyme. A-R-D-M is the ticker symbol. Yeah, and uh, why did you like the stock? Uh, it was actually a tip from someone who, yeah, I won't go there, but it was a tip from someone. Yeah. Got to be careful on those tips. It's a dollar stock. How much did you pay for it? Well, I, I paid different prices for it over a period of time. I got about sixteen grand into it, and it's you know now it's down to about you know <laughs> it's under a thousand dollars of the value of it. Okay, so you've gone from sixteen thousand to under a thousand. Yeah. Okay, uh, let me talk. Let me take a look. Look. Look at it. I know nothing about the company. Oh. Bi- biotech is brutal um, because you can have this great scientist versus another great scientist, and I wouldn't know that. Um, valuing the assets of a biotech company, it's typically a home run or strikeout. And thanks for the call. Aerodyme, it's the company that helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down in the most delightful ways. Uh, because people don't like needles. Aerodyme develops orally, orally inhaled drug delivery systems that treat respiratory diseases. It's lead delivering technology called AERX, which is an aerosol created from liquid drug formulations. It's being adapted to deliver a variety of drugs to treat pulmonary diseases. Airdyme has focused its efforts on developing respiratory treatments for cystic fibrosis, bronchiitis, inhaled anthrax, smoking cessation, um, arterial hypertension, asthma. 
they typically elect to reformulate already approved drugs and then combine them with an inhalation delivery technology in order to speed up the regulatory process. So, for instance, um, I think one of the drugs out there for anthrax was ciproflaxin. And what they basically did was they didn't come up with Cipro. They basically took it, ground it up into a fine powder, pushed it into their their inhaler. That's the the basic, simplest way of, of making this understandable for all out there. Let's pull up a financial statement of the company. So they have a great story, right? Let's put drugs in inhalers and you don't have to take needles. That's a great story. Problem is their revenues stink. They've gone from four million to one million to three hundred thousand. They've gone from losing thirteen million to losing twenty four million to losing twenty two million. The story's right there. To me, if you're pulling in $300,000 in revenue and you're losing $22 million, there's something seriously effed up about your business model. It's, 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 I don't know. So again, could they come out with an inhalable swine flu, save the world, cure cancer, cure Rob's hemorrhoids system? Yes, they could, but that's an if. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, so what a party would have. I would be very, very fearful of a company like this. Very fearful. Because the revenues, did 300000 in revenues and losing $24 million? I mean, let's say, you know, we push our little kid out to the, the corner and we say, dude, open up a lemonade stand and you're going to pull in three cents in revenue and you're going to lose 24 bucks. You'd be like, you can't send your kid out there and continually lose 24 bucks off, you know, three, three to 30 cents in, in revenue. Uh-uh. It's not a good business, but stay inside, t- you, know, you know, watch some TV, kid. Like, that's a bad business model. You wouldn't invest in that if I were to put it to you in that terms. Or if I were to say, I've got this great idea. I'm, I'm going to open up a shuttle between my house and the airport. I'm going to pick people up, and I were going to pull in $30,000 in revenue, but I'm going to lose $24 million. He'd be like, I'm going to shut you down quickly. I'm not investing in that. I'm not no goofball. So the story is great. I can turn straw into gold. But if I lose $24 million for every 30000 in revenue, it's not a good idea. Now, don't invest in story stocks is my advice. Invest in companies that have a, a history of making money. Like, for instance, Procter & Gamble or Johnson & Johnson. When I was a little baby, my mama put Johnson & Johnson No More Tear Shampoo on my head. I'm going to put Johnson & Johnson No More Tear Shampoo on my baby's head, and my baby's going to put Johnson & Johnson No More Tear Shampoo on his baby's head. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we make investing too hard, too difficult. Guy called in earlier today, makes $30,000 a year and wants to buy real estate in Detroit. About to make the mistake of his lifetime. And he's called in twice. He wants me to like his idea. If he calls in a third time, I'm still not going to like his idea. Sometimes we make things too difficult for ourselves. Now, Microsoft today, they came out with a pretty interesting report. They're talking about IT spending. Steve Ballmer, chief executive, he says IT spending represents about half of all capital expenditures in developing countries. He thinks, thinks that with more capital scarce, we know IT budgets are more scarce. There's going to be pressure in businesses to drive for a new level of efficiency. So ultimately, he thinks we don't go back to pre-crisis levels of IT spending. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But does the world go back to pre-crisis spending? Does housing go back to pre-crisis prices? Interesting dilemmas. It's the Rob Black Show. I'll be back in 22 hours. You're listening to 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Up next, Glenn Beck. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.